Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 31 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to go see Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts about that show with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J, and with me as always is my co-host, my brother, my friend, Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Well, welcome back to the show. <laughs> no no qualifiers, just I'm, I'm cool. Things are fine. That's enough. We really just need an answer what, to be able to move on right. with the opening. What more does a man really want, Matt? Uh, nothing I can think of, Dave. Oh, actually, no, there is one thing I can think of. Um, and that is watching episode 31 this week, titled, oh, yeah. Again, A New Hero Came Forth. Wait, the full title is, Again, A New Hero Came Forth? Yes. Got it. I'm sorry, Again, comma, A New Hero Came Forth. Got it. But, Dave... Before we get into that, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What's the first star of the week? Uh, first star of the week, Matt, is I just got a blowgun. Okay. Came in the mail today. That Well, it, it, was, it was delivered today, is what I mean. So tell me about that. <laughs> okay. Seems so, like a weird um, thing to drop on a dude. It is. Okay. Well, okay. Here's the deal, Matt. So, as uh, you know, of course, but our readers may not know, you and I and our producer, Mark, and a handful of other friends, and our uh, my wife, and blah, 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 we have a sort of daily list serve where we email each other around just, you know, in those odd moments where we're not working at work, and just, you know, generally hang out. It's nice. It's a way that we kind of stay connected because very few of us live next to each other. And the other day, I don't remember why, but somebody mentioned a particular story, Matt. And here's how this story goes. Our other friend, Eric, who is your roommate in college, we were in college. Let me, let me preface all this by saying this was college age Dave that did this. Just, you know, so we're clear. <laughs> so your roommate, Eric, had acquired a blowgun. I don't know why. Suffice to say that if I knew a dude that would have had a blowgun, it would be Eric. I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair. And yeah, I, I mean, it was true. He had it. This is not right. some sort of Yeah, I mean, it's claim. definitely fair to say because it's, yeah, that actually happened. And so he had this blowgun and all the furniture in our dorm rooms was like board. It was like wood board. And uh, you could stick the blowgun darts in it. And I was just immediately, uh, I fell in love with this thing. I was like, this is the greatest toy of all time. Mind you, these are like four real metallic darts. This is not like a toy. This is like a, I don't know, I guess you could hunt birds with it or something. Were you so inclined? Sure, very small But like small it was a birds. legit blowgun. Right, very small birds, maybe like a mouse. And so I just start like, like every spare second I'm hanging out in you guys' room, I'm like messing around with this stupid blowgun. And after, I don't know, a couple of weeks... Like, I was really, I was very accurate. Like, I had gotten it down. You know what I mean? At least to within, 
Like within short distances, right? Well, within the size of the dorm room. And it was, right. you know, it was a college dorm room. It wasn't huge, but pretty much yeah. anything in that room, you were pretty adept at hitting. Like I was, I was solid. And so our buddy Brian, and I don't know why, our buddy Brian is just standing there. He is, he's just chilling out. And I am, have this blowgun in my hand. And Brian starts reaching for like the handle of like a closet or a wardrobe or something. And I see his outstretched hand and I already have the blowgun like at the ready because I had already been messing around with it, right? I mean, generally speaking, in those days, the blowgun was always at the ready. Oh, yeah, pretty much always at the ready. And I just had a moment where I was like, I can definitely lodge this dart between his outstretched fingers and like into the wood behind his hand. Like, I can definitely do that. And if I do it, it'll be hilarious. And so not just, you know, like, that was as far as my thought process went. Like, that was it. I was like, I'm gonna lodge this dart between his fingers, and then it's gonna be super funny. And so I did, and it was. Like, I totally made the shot, and there was, like, he was reaching for this thing, and all of a sudden there's just, like, a quivering dart between his fingers. And he made, like, a super gratifying face, like, exactly the sort of face that you would expect or want someone to make in that situation. Uh, <laughs> like, I immediately, it sort of, like, dawned on me what I had done and just how poorly it could have gone had I not done it accurately like if i had missed and just lodged this like three inch thin metal spike into my friend's hand okay dave so what you just told me is a very excellent story as to why you should never get another blowgun and yet you have told me that this is precisely the thing that you did this week (laughs) okay first of all let me hand you a handful of mitigating factors matt uh first of all i'm much more of a grown-up now Sure, as demonstrated right. by your purchase of a new blowgun toy. Right. I'm much more of a grown-up now. Second, I do have uh, Amazon Prime, sure. which has one-click ordering, and I clearly can't be trusted with that. I'm not sure how that's a mitigating factor. I was going to say, in my I head, like, like, in my head just, it was. You're just stacking up different layers of your responsibility. <laughs> so this isn't so much of an excuse as it is an explanation uh yeah like this is how we have come to this (laughs) this is how this has happened uh technology has allowed you to make a bad impulse decision your adult (laughs) income has allowed you to afford it and your distance (laughs) from the experience has let you believe that this might be a good idea this time I think I'm pretty sure this is all going to work out for me in the end, Matt. Oh, yeah. I did. uh, Eric did say he's like, because I mentioned that I I immediately bought it because I remember the story and I remember it being so much fun. But I got like an 18-inch blowgun and Eric was like, oh, you really should have gotten the 36-inch. That's what you had. That's what I had. He had in college. You're not going to get as much power out of the 18-inch. And I was like, eh, oh, well, you know, I've already ordered it. Uh, and it arrived today, and he's right. Not as much, not as much power out of the 18-inch blowgun as I probably would have gotten out of the 36-inch. But it's already here, and really, it's not that it's expensive. But like, how many blowguns does a guy need? You know, 
Right. Probably well, less than I already fewer than I already have. Sure. Although functionally. If you were to ask me or Eric or um Tim the Toolman Taylor, there is something that that blowgun needs. And that's more power. It, <laughs> it does. I need more power. It wasn't, oh, oh, you know, oh, I oh, oh. it was <laughs> Dude, that show. Uh, I was pretty accurate. I pulled it back out, so I was pretty accurate to within. Like, if I was in, like, three or four feet, but after that, the dart started dropping a lot. So I lost power. But it's ten minutes in, Matt, and all we've done is talk about a blowgun. So what is our second star of the week? Okay, so almost exciting as uh, the new blowgun that you bought is uh, Star Wars. I was being yeah. facetious. This is way more exciting than your dumb thing. Star Wars is the best, and there's a new trailer. <laughs> And Harrison Ford's yes! in it, and so is there Chewbacca, is. and he's like, you know, it's it's Han Solo. Like, it's old man right. Han Solo, but he's there. Oh my and gosh. I am so excited. Like, I got pretty oh. excited about the thing from, like, what is it, six months ago that we talked about? Yeah, something like that. I don't think it was quite that long, but yeah, something but, like that. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I know. And he says... And he's like, Chewie, we're home. And it's like, ah, Harrison Ford, I know you never talk about it because I think maybe you're actually kind of a jerk in real life. But you're in Star Wars. I don't even care anymore. I don't think he's a jerk in real life. I think he just really likes winding people up. I I hope so. Like, that's what I want to be true. That would be way cooler and more fun. Um, I'm super, what I'm really jazzed about, we've seen still pictures. It hasn't been in any film yet that I've seen is old man Luke Skywalker. Mm. Oh, it's going to be so good. Like old dude Jedi Master Luke. And listen, guys, there's not a lot that we can talk about because this thing is like a minute and 45 seconds long. So we have already spent more time talking about it than you would spend by going to see it. And, okay, you know, I actually, right before we started talking about this, I was like, ah, this is kind of a spoiler. But this, this episode that you're listening to will have been recorded like a week before and so, if you care to see it, I feel like you would have already seen it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And like like I said, it's not even two minutes long. There's not that much you can yeah. spoil. But there's that, yeah, that three-bladed lightsaber, and uh, there's some robots, mm-hmm. and there's the Millennium Falcon. He's flying through the right. wreck of an old uh, Super Star Destroyer that had like landed on Tatooine. And oh, man. Guys. I'm just, dude, eight months. Eight months we have to wait for this movie. Oh, but dude, I didn't know that Avengers 2 is coming out May 1st. Like, I don't know how I hadn't, you know, I just been seeing the trailers and I hadn't been paying attention to like, oh yeah, May the 1st is when it comes out. And then I saw another thing for it today and it was like, Avengers 2, May the 1st. And I was like, wait, dude, that's in like two weeks. Yeah, dude. Avengers 2. And then a few months later we get uh, Ant-Man, right? Yeah. And then... I actually haven't seen the trailer for Ant-Man. I'll watch it when we're done here. Oh, it's good. A new one came out this week. Um, And then... Right, right. I saw like a blurb for it on Comics Alliance, but I had not... I just didn't watch it because I was at work. And then um, a new James Bond in November, a new Star Wars in December. Yep. This is like yep. my... Oh, dude. This is my year, Dave, movie-wise. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm excited about... Con- yeah, I'm jazzed about all of those things. Okay, so what, Dave, is our third star of the week? Uh, It's... Sort of. It's another acting thing. It's another like theatrical thing. Uh, Beth and I this weekend were really excited. We're going back to our alma mater. Hopefully, our car survives the trip better this time than it did a couple of weeks ago. It certainly can't do it worse. <laughs> right. It couldn't be a whole lot worse unless it became like dangerous. But anyways, we're going back to uh, our alma mater, Grove City College, because 
another one of our favorite professors is retiring. I think you actually may have had him for like one or two classes, Matt. Uh, Dr. Dixon? Uh, Dr. Yeah, James I Dixon? took classical lit with him. Okay. So Dr. Dixon has been, I didn't, he's actually been there forever. He's been there for like 38 years or something. Oh, I'd believe it. I it remember was, he was the chair of the department, I think, back when we were there, right? Yeah, yeah. He's He was the chair of the department when we were there, and that was, I graduated 10 years ago. Um, but he, it was like his first, I think, like uh, professorship out of college, like after his he finished his degree, and he's just never left. He's just been there forever. But in addition to doing, you know, like being the chair and teaching classes and everything, he handles all of the theater at the college. Okay. And he's been doing it for, I I think he's been doing it the whole time he's been there. And uh, so this is his final show. This is it. And because it's his final show and because he's an English person, he's doing The Tempest. And as is fitting, he himself is playing Prospero, which I realize doesn't mean anything to you if you don't know a bunch about Shakespeare. Uh, The 32nd version is that Prospero is a character in this play, The Tempest, and The Tempest is Shakespeare's last play, all right? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his last play, I think. It's Yeah, it's his last play. Um, it's his last play, and the main character, and his name is Prospero, and Prospero is a wizard, right? Or I think they say he's an enchanter or something. And, uh, you know, sort of like classic Shakespeare-style thing. He was like a duke, and he's been betrayed by his brother, and so he, like, leaves and lives on this island where he's a wizard, but then, like, the brother's son and, like, other people get, like, shipwrecked on his island, and his daughter, who's, like, never seen another man, falls in love with, like, the handsome young prince or something like that. It's, I mean, there's more detail to it. I'm just sure. giving you the quick version. But at the end of the play, Prospero is sort of convinced to leave his island and in so doing, uh, like, abandon his magical powers and be reconciled to his brother and at the same time, the sort of, like, larger society of men, right? So he, like, leaves behind his, like, strange mystical world and sort of, like, rejoins the normal world. And so there are a lot of allegories in The Tempest about the world of theater in the sense that, like, it's sort of different and strange. And, like, yes, it's connected to the real world, but, like, it's very much its own kind of animal, you know? Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the play, Prospero says the line, he says, and I abjure my art. I can't remember the quote, but he's like, I abjure my art and I hereby burn my book and something else. And so it's widely considered to be Shakespeare himself kind of announcing his retirement through the mouth of this character in this play that he's written. Okay, that's very Uh, cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And so it is... I don't, I don't know if I go so far as to say it's, like, traditional, but it is definitely, like, a thing that if you have been acting and directing a long time, that your last show is The Tempest and that you play Prospero. Okay. See, now, th- literally, listen, I'm not a dumb guy, and I know some things about Shakespeare, but the only thing that I knew about The Tempest 
is that there is a character in The Tempest called Caliban. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that I know that is because there is a Morlock in the X-Men comics yeah. called Caliban. And I was like, oh, cool. Like the Morlock. And that's it. That's all I got on The Tempest. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a thing. Like, you know, I teach theater. I already am planning that. Like, I'm not retiring for another, like, 30-odd years. It's already in my... Like, I'm already thinking about it. Like, how will I stage the Tempest when I go to retire? Dude, I tell you, you gotta go Morlock style. Gotta go. We'll do an excellent day. Do it down in the sewer set. It'll be great. It'll be amazing. Yeah. I will dress up like... Dress up like Callisto. Dude Callisto. A weird go-to, but when hey I, man, she's the leader uh, of the Warlocks. Acquire... It's either that or Storm. Those are your two options, man. <laughs> I will fight someone and acquire the Morlock leather vest of leadership. Shave down to the hawk, and at that point, you'll have gray hair anyway. So you'll have that, you know, Which that is... sweet Storm mohawk. I do do. I wear a mohawk in the summer. That has got to be like the the either lamest or best, like piece of like official like garb of leadership like it's not a torque it's not a crown it's not like a sword of kingship it's like do you lead the morlocks here's a bitchin leather vest um it's the best you were sort of on the fence and i'm just gonna tell you right now it's the absolute best (laughs) um so yeah man so maybe go see this show um a friend of ours actually saw it the other night or tonight she's seeing it, and she sent us a picture of the costumes and said everything looked really cool. Um, I'm super looking forward to it. So that's my third star, Matt. What is our fourth star of the week? Fourth star of the week, Dave, is um, I have just started playing Assassin's Creed 4, which I know is, what, three years old now? Two years old? It's uh, not a new game. Three-ish, two and a half, something like that. Um it's not only is it two and a half, three years old, Matt. I think we've actually already used it as a star on this show, but it's so good I don't care. Uh, that game is fantastic. I am currently in this sort of like early game love affair I have with every Assassin's Creed game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I know the one. I'm very familiar and with it. And it's really great, but whenever I start a new one, I always worry about the last hour of the game. Because in every Assassin's Creed game, I love the entire thing. And then in the last hour, it becomes this totally, like, impenetrable, weird thing where you're using magical, like, alien space powers and shifting across a bunch of different characters in some weird meta story that's never properly paid off. Yeah, that meta story has not ever been real great. But uh, I can tell you, I'm not going to tell you what... But the ending of 4 is good. Like, it's pretty solid. Okay, the only thing uh, I know about the meta story of 4 so far is that the dude who was the main character of the meta story from the first three games apparently died off camera and his, like, body is being harvested for DNA memories. No, 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 he doesn't die. He doesn't die off camera. You see him die at the end of Assassin's Creed 3. Do you? Maybe I didn't pay super close attention to Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, it was not. It was Assassin's Creed 3 was a real disappointment. I think I'm I, not going to lie. Like I said, that last hour of any Assassin's Creed game, I'm just trying to get yeah. to the end. Uh, but but no, in Assassin's the meantime, Creed 4... I get to enjoy some time on a pirate ship, uh, sailing around, harpooning sharks, and uh, right. you know, fighting the Spanish. 
Oh, dude, have you gotten the diving bell yet? No, I have not yet gotten the diving bell. Okay, dude, the diving bell missions are terrifying because you're just swimming. Like, they do a great job of really indicating that you are swimming around in, like, the open Caribbean and there are just sharks chilling. And those sharks get at you. It's really scary. There was a very, not scary, tense. It's very tense. There was a similar thing that would happen in the uh, the Far Cry games, where you would just be swimming along, and then all of a sudden, there's just like a gator up on your leg, like gnawing you yeah, out. Yeah, I imagine it sounds very similar. Um, yeah, dude, Black Flag is fantastic. Like, it's a really, really fun game. Um, it only gets better. You do, like, more pirate shippy stuff. I It was so good. I, I think I told you this, that Assassin's Creed 3 was so bad that I was like, okay, well, I'm just, like, I'm done with this series. Like, this game was terrible. It's one less series I have to follow slash buy. Like, that's cool. And then Assassin's Creed 4 came out, and they were like, oh, did you want pirate ships all the time? And I was like, oh, you jerks. And I was, yeah, that's fantastic. Because of course you want pirate ships all the time. Of course you want that. There was supposed to be, like, ages ago, like, an open world, like, Pirates of the Caribbean game in, like, a fable style where you were, like, a good guy or a bad guy and you got, like, crazy magic powers. It got canceled. I was always bummed out about it. But, yeah, of course you want pirate ships all the time. It's fantastic. Anyway, Assassin's Creed 4, it's great. It's got pirate scientists and stuff. But, Dave, we need to bring this thing home. So, what is our fifth star of the week? Our fifth star of the week, Matt, uh, is something – it's a joint star, really – we may have mentioned, we did mention before, okay, if you guys remember when we did that special episode where we had like a whole bunch of people, it was like me and Matt and our friend Brian and my wife and our other friend uh, Megan slash Tom, um, and we did like a special episode when we watched the movie, right? If you remember that, you may remember that it happened at our yearly sort of like mini gaming con to which we are the only invitees, like we just throw a party with ourselves. But, you know, like, it's a way to stay connected and sort of meet space, which is rad, and uh, it's it's a thing we really look forward to every year. And traditionally, we have held it at the Airport La Quinta in Pittsburgh, PA, which, to be fair, has always been very good to us. They have been very good to us, but, you yeah. know, when you think on your sort of grand traditions with your old friends... The fact that they right. center around an airport La Quinta is a little yeah. bit of a bummer. Well, you know, people were flying in, and we started this like a number of years ago, and uh, we didn't have any money. So we were like, oh, airport La Quinta, it's like, kind of the cheapest option. But now we're all kind of more grown up, and we've got a couple of extra bucks. And so what we've done, and I'm just, Matt, you of course already know this. I'm just telling the listener because it's friggin' rad, is... Uh, there's like an Airbnb mansion thing. And so we just rented a mansion. Not like a, it's not like incredibly, incredibly fancy. Um, it's fancier than my house for sure. Oh, sure. But we rented a mansion. We're just, we rented a mansion. Everybody gets an own or their own room. And it's actually not that much more expensive than the hotel. No, it costs almost the exact same amount. Yeah. It's killer. Like, it's super nice. I think there's, like, a hot tub. There's, like, a nice kitchen so we can cook all our own food instead of going out for every meal. There's a pool it's, table? And you know I love a pool, pool table. table. 
Dude, I okay. I had this dream where in college where I was gonna like play pool all the time because you could rent a table by the hour. I was like, I'm just gonna practice pool for an hour a day. I'm gonna get super good at it because in theory, I really like pool. Uh, I did that once, and I'm still no good at pool. But there is a pool table there. There's all sorts of stuff. It's gonna be super amazing. Uh, so, friends, if you also have a get together with people that you love and care about. Maybe think about getting an Airbnb mansion instead of staying at an airport La Quinta or other hotel. It's going to be great. I, I still contend that if we're a bunch of friends staying at a mansion all weekend, we need to come up with like a live action clue game that we can be playing. Like, like in the course of our other games? Dude, I've already told you, they've got a billiards room. Okay, well, Matt, um, I think you should be in charge of that. Listen, if if I actually get around to doing it, it's going to be amazing. But you know what else is <laughs> going to be amazing, Dave? Is it episode 31 of Gosei Sentai Dai Ranger? It's episode 31 of Gosei Sentai Dai Ranger, titled, <laughs> once more for your uh, memory, again, a new hero came forth. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with you after the cut. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 31, and Dave, why don't we get into a brief recap? Actually, before we get into a brief yeah. recap, um, there's something that I should say. If oh yeah, um, this is another one of those episodes where they drop the sort of cool spoilery moment as like a quick clip inside the uh, intro video. Yeah, that was a real bummer. So if you haven't watched it yet, I guess I don't know. It's weird because I guess we're about to tell you about it. But if for some reason you haven't watched it yet. And you're going to pause it. Like, go watch the episode maybe first, but don't watch the opening. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's weird. weird. Although, I guess but if you're at is, this point, you probably are already have either watched it or yeah, are not you, going you to watch it. Already saw it. Um, so, right. we'll just move on. Dave, why don't you hit us with a recap? <laughs> okay. It's actually, it's like a really short story recap because not a ton of story stuff happens. It's an action episode. So, it's just like... Okay, so we fight the four kings of heaven again, and then they reform and hit with an enlarging bomb, and then there is an unexpected ally that helps the rangers. Let me say it that way. That seems pretty good, right? Yep, pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, so in... Last episode, what we saw was Cameo was being, like, energy flashed by this Tenpo Rai Rai jewel, and he had turned into a turtle, and then he turned back, and he's, like, running away. Yeah, he's, specifically, but he's running Rangers, away from the jewel. Yeah. The jewel has levitated oh, up and is yeah. flying after him. And he is, of course, terrified yeah, it's like chasing because him. it keeps transforming him into a tiny little turtle. Which is legit. I would also be terrified. Uh, but the Rangers had been victorious over the fast-talking, traveling con man as of last episode. And so... And then it leads into... that. it leads into this episode. And the way this episode starts out is we are at the Goma Palace. Or some yeah. Goma place. Some official Goma place. This is not an office building. Yeah. I don't think it's actually the palace, because the palace is, remember, that weird upside-down pyramid, and we don't see that here. It's just like a... It's like some sort of stronghold, but I don't think it's the actual palace. Okay, I'm just trying to differentiate between, 
like... Oh, I got you. Yeah, they're not in, like, an abandoned office. Right. It's not a warehouse. (laughs) They're not just sort of, like, hanging out on a boat. This is full-on, like, Goma territory. (laughs) It would be so much better if they weren't. I know. They were just doing this weird ceremony, and there's, like, a cubicle in the background. Or if there was just, like, four dudes, like, the four kings of heaven, like, crammed into the backseat of a Camry, chanting. (laughs) Right. Um, But it is what we see. So, they were at this... Uh, stronghold, I guess, and we see the four kings of heaven, and they are doing some sort of like chanting ceremony thing in front of this uh mask, and it's just like a plain white mask, and it's got a very um, you know what it kind of looks like, Matt? Is it almost looks like a? I think it might be a kabuki mask, actually. Again, it's not like my area of expertise, but I think that might be what it is. It might be a kabuki mask. It might just be like a mask of some sort of oni. I'm not sure yeah, if that, that is would make sense. a sort of mask that you see in kabuki. It very well might be, but it might be. I don't it's know. not like a giant monster uh, mask. Are... It is the size of a mask yeah. that a person would wear. Oh yeah, good. That's a good call. Yeah, it is not like a crazy goma mask. It's like a it's like a person mask, right? So they're doing their thing, and uh. Goma the 15th, I think, appears, right? No, it's not Goma the no, 15th. No, it's Shadam. is saying, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. now it is time for you to come forth, and you will show everyone how terrifying you are. It's something like that. Yeah, it's like a vague sort of threat, but this is where it does get a little bit creepy, is like the mask kind of comes to light. Like, its eyes glow, and it like zooms in on the mask real fast, and then that's it. So we know, we don't know what, obviously, but like something is up with this mask. So we cut away from there and we cut back to Cameo and Cameo is just running like all through town being chased by this flying tempo Rai Rai jam. Yeah. He's like tucking into buildings. He's like shutting doors behind him. The jewel is relentless. It's like smashing through windows to get at him. And eventually, and, he uh, jumps out of a window and almost tackles Kazu, who is, I guess, trying to find him? Yeah, no, I think that's pretty clear, because remember, Kazu had said last time, he's like, oh, I'm going to go and try and find Cameo. I think he might know where this jewel is. And so he sees, you know, like, sees slash is almost tackled by Cameo. And he's like, dude, do you know where this Jewel is like it's super duper important <laughs> to us as the Die Rangers. It's gonna fuel our new weapon. We really need it. So Kazu clearly is not even uh, pretending to have a secret. Identity, oh no no no! At least with Cameo. Anymore. And so he's like, "Yep, I'm a Die Ranger." <laughs> so Cameo looks at him with like terror in his eyes, like, "No, not the jewel!" And he slams shut the window that he had just jumped through and ducks down like behind the wall. Uh huh. The Oh, that's right. This is when the gem like smashes through the window, and uh, like Cameo just continues to freak out. Yeah, and he's saying, "He's like, dude, this jewel is turning me into a turtle." And Kazu's like, "Whoa, hold up, what now? Turning you into a turtle?" That's a weird thing to say. And then it just happens. (laughs) Right? It's like that's strange. But then it happens, like in front of Kazu, like. The jewel hits him with, not Kazu, Cameo, that is, hits him with, like, the glowy energy, and he turns into, like, a tiny baby turtle. Uh, and then he's back. He only, It only does it for, like, a second or two. And then Cameo effectively says, like, 
C. And then I don't have anything else in my notes until the four kings of heaven come up to attack. Is there anything I'm missing? Or does this no, do they just get jumped so. right here? I... No, they just get jumped right here. I am just kind of bewildered at this point as to why this jewel is messing with Cameo. Like at first I thought that it was just you know, they like he had found it and it was kind of messing with whoever was around. But at this point it's fairly clear that whatever this jewel is, like it is very definitely after Cameo. Right, it is specifically messing with him. Right. Uh, but yeah, nothing else happens until the four kings of heaven show up and they just like attack uh, Kazu and Cameo. Well, specifically, they're attacking Cameo because I think they're trying to get the uh, the gem from him. Oh, that's and right. And so Kazu... Yeah, because actually found it before. Right. So Kazu aura yeah. changes, and he is trying to fight off the four kings of heaven. He's actually he does an okay job for a minute, but they get the better of him, right? And they manage to like yeah. pin him against a tree, and Shadam shows up with this mask that they had been enchanting earlier. Yeah. And he says something to the effect of like, "Now you will, you know, feel my power or something like that." But he like jams this mask over Kazu's uh, Die Ranger helmet. Which is not a great look, because like, the helmet is already yeah, sort of... Yeah, it looks really silly. It just, the sizes are all wrong, so it looks like there's this little tiny face on this big helmet. Yeah, so that looks a little bit weird, but it doesn't matter, because Kazu almost immediately de-aura changes and starts, like, freaking out. Because when he de-aura changes, the mask like, has transferred from, like, the front of the helmet to yeah, just yeah, being yeah. on Kazu's face. Oh, yeah, face. that doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't get rid of the mask. And he is, like, freaking out trying to take it off. And he can't, uh, which is terrifying and awful. Like, that's really, like, it's creepy and weird. So the other rangers show up, and they are about to start fighting Shadam. But Kazu kind of, like, berserker freaks on them and just starts attacking the other rangers. So as he's starting to attack, Shadam explains... Here's the deal with this mask. It's stuck on his face, and yep. it, like no matter what you do, it will stay on there until he dies. And he's able to right. control Kazu, you know, like sort of make him go into these rages and point him at things. So Kazu sort of can't stop himself from yeah. attacking and is sort of in agony yeah. the whole time. And eventually yeah, he, he will says... like wear himself out and die. Right. He literally, like, berserks himself to death by exhaustion because of, like, the horrific suffering that he is undergoing. Which, again, Die Ranger, that's, that's dark. Yeah, they are swinging for the fences like, on dark the creep for a factor this show. week. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so he and the other four, Shadam, that is, and the four kings of heaven... Just like they fade, like they ghost out. Kazu continues to attack the rangers for a second, and then it cuts away, and uh, we cut to murder basement, and Kazu is like tied up. So we would assume, of course, that the rangers managed to subdue him in some way. Right, well, I mean, he had been un-aura changed, so even if he has like berserker powers, presumably he does not also have his die ranger powers, and so he's probably pretty easy pickings for the four of them. Oh, yeah, no, that's a good point. I had not thought about that. So he's tied to a post. And so while he's... Which right, is the only way Shikaku. to restrain anybody in this show. <laughs> and, um, 
And Doshikaku is explaining, he's like, oh yeah, this is the most powerful curse that the Goma have, and it's like a crazy berserker mask. And Kaku, sort of weirdly, he's just like, oh, and also there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, and they're like, wait, like, nothing? He's like, yeah, no, he's he's going to die. Like just game over. That's it for Kazu. Extremely nonchalantly. <laughs> right. Like, not worried, seemingly, at all. And the other rangers, of course, are freaking out. They're like, no, we have to do... Shoji and Daigo, particularly. Uh, I think Shoji takes, like, a machete, which, again, they apparently have an infinite supply of. Uh, like, takes a machete to the mask, and it, like, shoots some energy out and, like, fries the machete. They try to pry it off, and you get a look at the side of Kazu's head, and, like, Ooh, yeah. the edge of where the mask has, like, fused itself to his head is just this bloody line. Yeah. Again, turn it up. This episode, Die Ranger. Things are getting... It's not cool, is what I'm saying. Uh, so they can't get this mask off. And again, everybody else is losing it over this because their friend and colleague, Kazu... And one of the people also, who, again, as we said last week, is really important to making sure that the world does not fall to Goma rule. <laughs> right. Is apparently going to die. And Kaku's just like, eh, these things happen. Sorry. Like, he's sort of, like, stoic about it. Yeah, I guess but what they're trying to get across be... is that he is sort of, like, grim and stoic. But it just seems like he legit does not care. <laughs> right. Well, guess we gotta find a new Kirin Ranger, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so we sort of cut away from there. And we see Goma the 15th at the, again, actual literal hole to the underworld of hell. He's still fishing. And he's like, oh, come back, my like cute little Akamaru. And the way that he talks about Akamaru, like just real briefly, does make it seem as though maybe they were like personally closer than we had previously been led to believe. Right, as though going with the 15th you know was some sort of father figure. And by the way, uh, we sort of yeah. talked over it or glossed over it a moment ago. But yeah, it's a Kamru. That is who he was pulling out of hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, we did not explain that. But well, okay. If you watched the last episode and you paid close attention, you did see his button like on his arm as he was getting pulled up. But it's totally a Kamru. And Goma the 15th is like fishing him out of hell. And you see, this is actually a cool little thing they did. You see a Kamaru and he's like holding onto the hook and he's like being dragged up out of this red pit. But as he is being dragged, like there are other hands like reaching up to grab him and like pull him back down into hell. Yeah, like the hands of the damned are grasping at his ankles <laughs> trying to keep him in hell. But the or dark magics of Goma the 15th are, like, reviving him through, you know, evil fishing. Right, evil fishing, like you do. Uh, yeah, so Akamaru is on his way back up via black magic fishing. Right? The wickedest of all fishings. <laughs> the, the darkest fishing arts. Um... 
there's gotta be a, there's gotta be an exalted character in there somewhere. But anyways, okay. And so that's one uh, big bomb that they're dropping, and we cut immediately right. to another huge reveal. <laughs> like they're super nonchalant. This is the best part because it's a giant reveal, and they're just like, oh yeah, this thing. They don't even give you so, the whole conversation. So here's what happens. Right, they cut it in the middle. It's just like Guhan and Rin talking to Cameo clearly like five minutes into this or more already. And Cameo is saying, what? A turtle? I'm not human. I'm actually a turtle. <laughs> right. They don't even give us the statement. They just give us Cameo's reaction to the statement. And Guan, he's like, oh, yeah. You're actually a turtle. He's like, well, you know, a turtle is a turtle. But here's the deal. You weren't just any turtle. You were a die beast turtle. Yes. Cameo isn't even human. He is a Kaiden beast. He is a giant turtle robot who (laughs) 6,000 years ago decided that he wanted to live in peace. So he transformed himself into a human and has spent the last 6,000 years like going back and forth between remembering and forgetting who he is. And that is how he has sort of stayed off the radar. He is not a human. Yeah. He is not even a regular turtle. He is not a regular sized <laughs> thing. He is a giant transforming robot turtle from 6,000 years ago, powered by Chi. <laughs> who has been living in like a dumpy apartment, yeah, trying to get a job as an illustrator. I love this okay. show, Dave. I love this show so Dude, much. Dude, this is amazing. Okay. Now we're actually going to see another amazing thing. All right. And they are like. You need to, like, return to yourself so that, like, to help. And Kamiya's like, no, like, I I can't. Like, I really like being human. I don't want to do that. And they are like, yeah, but Kazu has, like, this mask on. And, like, we need you to help us, like, save him. And Kamiya, he's like, Kazu... Like, I really like Kazu. And we get the sense that Cameo maybe does not have, like, a lot of friends and that Kazu is a friend to him. Yeah. And he's like, well, then I'll, I'll give it up to, like, save Kazu, which is straight up the noblest thing we have seen a ranger do yet, I would say. Yeah, Cameo, Cameo like, is, like, Cameo's a, like, sort of a goofball. And the first couple of times you see him... Okay, this is one of the things I really like about this show, and I was going to save it for the end, but let's just talk about it now, is that we met Cameo um, during the episode where the uh, um, Wong Tiger was born, right? And that was episode, like, 18 or something? This is episode 31. This guy has been kicking around in the background for months, or, you know, weeks, I guess. At least. Yeah. Um, And he is like one of, like, he's one of the Kaiden beasts. He's like a big deal. He is going to be part of, like, their giant robot combinations, you know? And he just appeared in the background as a total throwaway character and then showed up as, like, a joke character a few episodes later to play the referee in the baseball episode. 
And he, like, they just played this really, like, slow, long game with him. And I really appreciate it. I think it's a very cool way to, yeah. like, run the show. It, it absolutely is. You know, I think there's really something to be said for the idea. And I think you like, you're, you don't really see it in the United States as much. Although I feel like you're starting to more. But the idea that, like, like this is a show and it's going to run for, like, X period of time and then that's it. Like, this show will not go indefinitely. Like, it will last, like, X long and then you're done. Because you can, I feel like it's a lot better or easier to do things like this. Oh, very much so. Because you you're know, like, like, this show Like, this whole show is storyboarded. Right. And the whole thing is storyboarded and, like, done maybe even before they shoot the first episode. You know what I mean? Like, they know everything that's going to happen. And so you can do stuff like this. And it is. It's a really cool moment. Um, Why they gave us all of that lead-up time and then still dropped us in in the middle of a conversation where he's confronting the fact no that idea. he is an ancient turtle robot? Um, I don't know. But he... But he Cameo is, again, he is straight up the noblest ranger. He's like, yeah, totally... Like, I will abandon 6,000 years of sort of, like, peaceful neutrality to save this dude who is my friend. So, cameo, total baller move. So, he, like, decides to accept the Tempo Rai Rai jam and, like, walks over to where right. it has been, like, hovering over Ko. And Ko has been, like, trying to jump up into the air to grab it, like, ineffectually. It's <laughs> great. It's that when it cuts over, you just see Ko, like, still jumping around. And so they've clearly been having this whole conversation. Ko has been paying zero attention and is just desperately chasing after this floating jewel. So he walks over. He's like, okay, like, I'll do it. And the thing, like, lowers down into his hands and glows. And they're like, okay, let's get out of here. Let's find Kazu. Because Kazu, at this point, has escaped from his bounds. Bounds? Being bound? His bindings? Yeah, his bindings? He's his bindings. He's escaped from what his bindings. What I mean bindings. to say is he's that escaped. he has escaped he's from Murder Basement, and he's running all over town, and so they're chasing after him. Right. And so what we actually we do is we cut to Kazu, and he is just kind of generally freaking out, and the four kings we see, like he's up on a rooftop, and we see the four kings, and they are on the other, like another distant rooftop. We're not totally sure how, but they are clearly, like, exacerbating what is already a pretty miserable situation for Kazu. The other rangers show up. Sans, Rin, and Ko, I believe. Is that right? No, Rin and Ko show up first. Yeah, they right? they all sort of meet up at the fire escape running That's up to right. the anyways. rooftop where Kazu is being sort of drawn yeah. by the four kings of heaven. So they So they fight. It's nothing, like, particularly fascinating. Like, they just fight Kazu. Oh, no, no, no. They fight Kazu, and then the four kings summon some, like, Kotoropotoro, and so there's, like, a kind of a three-way fight between the rangers, Kazu, and the Kotoropotoro. Cameo is off to one side, like, pleading with Kazu. He's like, Kazu, no! Like, you have to, like, we can save you! Don't give up! And Kazu, like, jump kicks him in the face. (laughs) (laughs) right which is like the worst possible response to desperate pleading by a friend uh to jump kick them in the face but he does and then kazu's like i'm gonna end it all and so he gets up on i think the same fire escape and is about to jump off 
And, you know, this is his only solution to the horrific suffering that he's enduring. Right, he's going to jump off the and building. I think it's Ryu. Yeah, and he's going to kill himself. But Ryu grabs him. He's like, don't worry. Like, we'll save you, Kazu. Like, we got this. And so, so he said, that's when Ryu... So he knocks him over off the ledge onto the roof, not into the street. Um, right. <laughs> that would have been key, a very bad key distinction. Plan. So he pulls him back off the ledge, says, like, like we've got this. Give me your tempo Rai Rai ball. And so Kazu is sort of able to pull it out and give it to him. Right. Like in a moment of clarity. They all sort of join up together and they summon the uh, Kiryoku Bazooka. Right. Oh, Guhan is there, by the way. Like, Grin's granddad is there. And he's there. sort of uh, controlling the action, saying, like, okay, now it is time. Yeah. Summon the Zook. I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's what it is in my notes. <laughs> they do. And so they do. And I didn't know that was a thing that they could just summon, but apparently they can. And so Guhan turns to Cameo and Ko. Uh, Ko, and he's like, oh, give me your Tenpo Rai Rai jewels. And he, like, touches them together, and it, like, shoots, like, a bolt of energy at the bazooka. And then he hands them back and says, okay, like, I'm done with these now. Like, it's all cool. Which is a very convenient piece of storytelling. Because <laughs> it means they don't have to be there every time they want to right, use Right, like, the we bazooka. totally needed it this one time to, like, fully activate it. But after this, we just need the five people who are in every episode. <laughs> right. Um, so... During this whole time, like, they're literally, it takes, like, a minute and a half, I think, and they're just, like, chilling out. The Kotaro Potoro have disappeared. The Four Kings of Heaven are just, I guess, watching in fascination as they do this, and uh, Kazu is also just chilling out. This is, like, a fairly involved process to make this whole thing happen. listen, we have already established that all Goma are huge fans of the Dire Rangers and all of their gadgets. And this is a new gadget that no one has had a chance to really see in action yet. (laughs) Right. Uh, Oh, sorry. Real quick thing. During this fight, like prior to the bazooka showing up and all this other stuff happening, Daigo and Shoji are fighting like a bunch of Kotopotoro. And they're just like, they pull out their Die Busters and they yell Die Buster and they shoot. And again, I'm really curious as to why they don't just Die Buster all the time. Because those are easily their most effective weapons. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to lose their cutting edge. You know, I got lazy shooting the die buster all day. Hey, whatever happened to the Rangers, like, five specialty weapons? Like, Kazu's three-section staff and... Yeah, remember those? come and go. Shoji had some nunchucks, I think. It was cool. No, we just haven't seen him in a while. Uh, okay, so anyways. So... So they put the bazooka together and they like pull out all their individual weapons and like plug them into the appropriate places and like Rin loads the Tempo Rai Rai jewels into it. And <laughs> this is a fantastic line because Shoji turns to Kazu and he says, Kazu, we're going to fire. You better not die. And they just shoot Kazu with yeah, the bazooka. Yeah, this is their grand plan because like... <laughs> I don't know why they're assuming this will work. Yeah, I don't know. First of all, I don't know how this became the plan. Because the last we heard, there was no cure for this. Like, like right. Doshikaku was very adamant about that. And then they just Maybe somehow got thought... it into their head that if they shoot him in the face with a chi bazooka, everything will work out fine. <laughs> Maybe, they were... Maybe their thought was either like, well, it'll either break the mask or... 
like worst case scenario, it ends his suffering in like <laughs> a bolt of channeled Kiryoku. Which, you know, as far as ways to go are concerned, getting atomized by a Kiryoku bazooka. That's like a cool like it's it's cool at least. Yeah, you I mean know. it's better than being choked out by a cursed mask. Right. It's flashy. I'll give it that. And so anyways, anyway, their terrible plan works perfectly. <laughs> right, it's totally fine. Uh, the mask breaks, hooray! It breaks cleanly into, because that's what happens when you shoot something with a chi bazooka. It splits in half, apparently. Um, I am also, because we see Kazu lying next to the mask, and I am super glad that his face is not all bloody. Yeah, he still has that bloody I was really line. Expecting like where the mask was connected, right. but the um, like his actual face is fine, which is good. Yeah, I was a little worried <laughs> the mask would fall off and his whole face would just be like a bloody mess. Uh, and I'm glad that it's not. That's nice for him, especially because Kazu is clearly the most invested in his appearance. I feel like that would really be a hurt. dark moment for him. Really for him. A dark moment. Got to save that moneymaker. Uh, so anyway, so the mask breaks. Kazu's okay. And they're like, Kazu, like, come on, let's go. And the four heaven kings of heaven are like, that's it. Now we're going to kind of show you what's up. And they do their little, like, mergey thing into the four-face-headed thing go up oh by the way dave real uh, quick aside i didn't watch the episode mm-hmm. but i did look up whether or not these dudes ever showed up in power rangers and uh-huh. this monster showed up and he was called forehead because he has four heads and forehead is a word Classic. way to go power rangers Classy. it's almost as good as it's almost as good as uh the savage land mutate forearm oh he wasn't a savage land mutate was he he was on the mutant liberation front oh he uh, you know what he was like in the savage land for like an extended period of time i think i think he was like hanging out with mr sinister yeah i think so that sounds sort of right listen i'm not gonna lie I I kind of liked forearm. I thought forearm was dude. Cool. He had forearms and he was strong. He had forearms and super strength. Super strength was a big part of that as well. And he had a cool action figure. His action figure just had forearms, and there was like a little switch on the back that you would like push it, and the forearms would just flail around. Not in any um, way that like an actual human arm would move. They just would like swivel. Oh yeah, they just spin. Dude, I was at uh, Walmart the other day picking up stuff, and um. I, as I often do, like went by and like checked out the action figure, you know, like the toy section, like you do, dude, action figures are first of all, much more expensive than when we were children, but also like way, way better, like way better, exponentially better. Like what sort of stuff was there? Just like they're okay. First of all, they're probably like time and a half the size, okay. and um, they're like really. I don't know a way to say it aside from that. Like, just like really solid plastic. Okay. This is not like cheapo molded plastic that's like glued together. Like this is a solid piece of plastic. But it's still plastic, obviously. But like the sculpting is way more detailed. Like the paint job 
this is much more of like a uh, collectible figurine style thing that you might see at uh, like a con. Oh, okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this is a high quality piece of. I know it's like twenty bucks, but like this is a pretty high quality. Actually, I, I cannot afford to get into toys at this stage in my life. Oh no, 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 no! I have no like I have no interest in in getting it. I just appreciate that it exists. Like it's pretty neat. And also, what they've started doing is, uh, if you buy an action figure and then there's like part of another action figure with it. And so if you buy, like, the five action figures in a series, you get, like, a sixth one. Oh, yeah. You buy, free, like, Magneto and it comes with, like, the Sentinel's right arm or something. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of thing. I don't know. It's, they're pretty they're pretty cool looking, man. Uh, but anyways, that's not what we're talking about. Four-headed priest. And uh, they're like, Kazu, or a change. Like, let's fight. So it's a quick shot. I don't know if you caught this, Matt. But Kazu goes to Aura Change, and he, like they cut away right afterwards, but he just straight misses the Aura Change shirt. <laughs> like, it's like not even close. He just like punches himself in the head. Because if you've never watched the show, it's the sort of like, it, there are these two bracelets that sort of like lock together. And right. so basically, when the, it looks like you sort of like punch your wrist, but... If you miss it, then it looks real dumb. <laughs> and normally you don't see it because, like, they they go to do it and then it cuts away to, like, a zoomed-in thing on the aura changer and then it comes back and they have aura changed. Uh, but they didn't cut away fast enough on this one. <laughs> Kazu looks like a big dope. It's great. Um, okay, so Kazu misses his aura changer, but he manages to aura change successfully anyways. And uh, and then they summoned the bazooka again. Which I found endlessly delightful. <laughs> and they're like, bazooka, it's gone. Kazu's back. Bazooka like again. Like this thing worked great. And it does. It works great a second time. They just bazooka the four-headed priest. Uh, it totally it blows works. him up and knocks him over. Unfortunately, he had an enlarging bomb in his hand. And so when his lifeless body hits the ground, the enlarging bomb goes Boom. off. Right. And so he immediately enlarges. They summon the Kaiden beasts. Uh, you missed a step there, like, Dave. He immediately enlarges and oh, then sorry. utterly destroys a building, which every time that it happens, oh, it's like, you know, I right. know that that's just like a prop building on a soundstage and that there are no people in that building. But in the fiction like, of the show, like, I'm not sure that these buildings are getting evacuated. Right, no, these are 100%. And so, like, that monster just murdered probably a couple hundred people, I'd say. Minimum. Minimum. A couple hundred people. Uh, so he does that, because he's a horrific monster. And so then, so it's uh, Ko and Ryu do their Kaiden Beast summons. Or no, everybody does. Wong Tiger, like... Bujin Henge's and he turns into like his warrior form and then Ryuseo does the same thing. They fight for just a second and then Ryu says like, ah, this isn't enough. Ko, you need to form Kibadayo. So they do that. So like the other Kaiden beasts like join up and you see Kibadayo like ready to fight. So then Kibadayo 
just launches right into firing like the crazy attack where the phoenix becomes a laser fireball and blows up the monster. <laughs> but yes. like the four kings of heaven like combo monster just grabs the staff, hikes up on it like a baseball bat, and just knocks the fireball right back at Kibadayo. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like it doesn't work at all. So then what we see is like we cut down to Cameo, who is just chilling out, and he's like, I have to help. Like, I I gotta do it. And he like holds up his tempo right right jewel and it like glows and envelops him in energy and he like falls down on all fours and he transforms into uh, I think they called him Cho is his name? Oh no, it's Dai Mugen. Dai Mugen, sorry. Um where did I get Cho? Cho was in there somewhere. I'm almost certain of it. But anyway, so Dai Mugen, uh and he is just, he's like a giant turtle. It's rad. He's like a giant robot turtle with like shell cannons, like off to the side and like a laser beam on the back or something. Yeah. If you, um, if you watched Power Rangers, he was Tor the Shuttle Zord. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's very much like a, uh, Bronto the Carrier Zord style situation. Uh, Dave, that was, uh, Titanus the Carrier Titanus. Zord. And it, what was he in, in Japan? He was, what was he in America? No, in America was he, he was Titanus. Yeah, in Japan he was. What was he in Japan? He was King Brachiodon, which was awesome. King Brachiodon, that's what it was. Yeah, that's an awesome name. So he is, you know, okay. So he's a turtle. He's got shell cannons. He shoots at the four-headed priest for like a second, and uh, it looks like it's like marginally successful. But then he immediately gets flipped on his back, which you know, if you know anything about turtles, of course, is a problem for him. So Ryuseo runs over. And is able to, like, flip him back on the right side. And Ryuseo tries to fight, but gets knocked over and sort of damaged. Right. Oh, wait. Hold up for a second, Matt. There's some, there was a really cool little moment here. Uh, and I don't know if you caught it. But when Cameo, like, he's so he's turned back into his Kaiden Beast form, right? Right. And he's flipped on his back. And he sees Ryuseo. And he doesn't address Ryu. He doesn't address the ranger that he knows is, like, piloting Ryuseo or whatever. He addresses Ryuseo directly. Oh, yeah, I did, did catch you that. that? I, it was a really nice touch. Yeah, it was super cool. It's like, oh, right, these dudes know each other. Like, these are both Kaiden beasts. Like, they're pals. Um, and I thought that was a really, like, it was a cool little touch that he directly addresses Ryuseo. Um, so, and then, as you said, like, Ryuseo attempts to fight the priest, but he gets damaged kind of immediately. And then they drop the next bomb. Okay, so we already know that Cameo is a 6,000-year-old chi robot turtle creature. Mm-hmm. Right. But that chi robot turtle creature also has a warrior form like Ryuseo and Wong Tiger. Right! He also Fujin Henge's! And so he's like, after so, 6,000 years, I will finally stand up. Yeah. And he, so he like rears back. Like you see his turtle head like kind of flips and there's like another head inside it. And he sort of like rears up on his back legs. And I'm not sure what they are. Maybe they're like supposed to be his hands or something. I mean, okay. Just to be clear, his Bujin Henge form is not nearly as like agile as Wong Tiger or 
Ryusei Oh, no, not nearly. But yeah, what but here's the two he, things that it has. It's got a bunch of guns. Like a ton. Like laser finger guns. And it's got, like, his chest is the shell, right? And so he's basically yeah. impervious to any yeah, attack. Because, and we find this out because the priest, like, launches some crazy powerful attack at him. And it just kind of washes over him. It actually kind of calls him out. He's like, eh, I barely felt that. And then another cool it. thing is that the shell then opens up. And there's, like, a chamber inside. Uh-huh. And he says, Ryusio, jump into this chamber and recharge. So Ryusio okay. jumps in. Specifically what he says is, enter me and refill your energy. Yes, he does. I was I was paraphrasing for, you know, reasons <laughs> that I thought valid. <laughs> I those are, those are probably valid reasons. Uh, I just, Matt, I just, I think... We would have been doing a disservice to not share that line okay. with the audience. So Rius- we can drop it from there. Riusio, but he does say Riusio that. enters him to refill his energy, um, <laughs> and there's like uh, basically like a docking station inside of Daimugen that Riusio yeah. plugs into and gets re-energized. I think it's not just like it doesn't seem to be just like a re charge it seems to be like a supercharge so then so he jumps out they all join up except wong tiger who is like mysteriously okay no if you look closely so here's what they're doing they're joining into a form that is called the heavenly chi palace right oh yeah and what it is is if you recall the sort of first tank mode they had when they all combined where it was like the human form of rizio riding sort of like a giant sled thing uh-huh yeah um that is now sitting on top of wong tiger not wong tiger sorry daimugen wong tiger right. is like closed up inside the chamber inside daimugen's shell oh, so he's there okay. but you i did can't not catch him that. and i'm not sure what he's doing except like making it heavier which is important yeah, I was actually a little bummed out. I don't feel like we got as much of like a uh, like a joining together scene as I was hoping for, but they presumably are, you know, they do that. So <laughs> this is great. So it turns out that this is, what is it, Heavenly Chi Palace? Yeah. This is Heavenly Chi Palace's special attack. Ryuseo like starts spinning his wrist and his staff becomes like a propeller, I guess. They all lift up, like they fly up above the monster, and the attack is big crushing death. Like they literally just jump up and land on the Goma monster. Like that's the attack. Yeah, it's just seven giant robots in a pile crushing them. (laughs) And it works. Now there is one weird thing is as, because they were fighting in the middle of the city, right? Yeah. When they fly up, like, as they land, like, they fly up and it cuts away, and then it cuts back in, and they land on the four priest king monster, and uh, all the buildings have are, have are gone. Like, they've disappeared. Which maybe happens every time, and I just haven't noticed it, but I noticed it this time. Or maybe while they were all combining, the four priests were just busy destroying the rest of the city, <laughs> right. and that was all that was Not- left. That's not even rubble. Uh, okay. But anyways, so they kill the monster, and uh, 
And that's kind of it. Well, let's not quit it. That's it for the fight. Oh, well, sorry. That's it for that portion. There is one scene left. And we cut back to the Hellmouth. Right. Where Goma the 15th is still fishing. Evil fishing. Evil fishing. The darkest of fishing. And he says, like, ah, my Akamaru or something. You're almost back. And we see Akamaru, like, get pulled up behind the rocks. And he is, like, back in the realm of the living. And he takes a bunch of rubble and covers up the hole to hell. because Which is legit. Because I guess he is terrified that those things are still coming after him. That was the only idea I got. Because otherwise, he could just be absorbing that uh, Ray Ryoku. Yeah, I'd be real nervous about that. You spend uh, you spend if a I couple had, of months down in hell, and they're grasping at your heels, trying to keep you down there. You're uh, you're going right. to throw some rubble. That's in yeah. fact that I'm is a, the I'm least that you're going to do. Top of that too. <laughs> right. I'm going to go uh, ahead and, and call that, that step is, one. Right, and then that is the end. Like that's yeah, kind of like Akamaru's back, and uh, you know who knows what's up after that. And I think that's gosh. See, now I'm trying to remember because I feel like I keep saying this, but now I feel like that's finally all of the major players in place. Akamaru is back. Cameo is now Daimugen. Okay. Or he is... Cameo actually will go back and forth. Like, he still maintains his ability to go into human form. That that makes sense. And I think that's all the major characters now. So, Dave, what was your high point of the episode? Oh, dude. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna steal what I think is the best one, even though we might agree on it, is the fact that Cameo is, in fact, a 6,000-year-old die beast. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, every, I think every single time we've gotten introduced to a new robot, that new robot has been your high point. So I am not surprised. Yeah, in dude, the I'm least. here for giant robots. Let's be real. It was amazing. And it was such... They played such a long game with it and then just dropped it so nonchalantly. Yeah, I did not. You know, maybe it's actually it's probably better writing than we give it for credit for because it just like I really did double take. I was like, wait, wait, what now? Uh, whereas if there had been a little more lead in, I would have been like, oh, okay, here it is, it's coming. Um, so actually, I'm gonna reverse my former statement. I think that's actually pretty good writing. Okay, and what about your low point? Uh, low point. Hmm. Low point, I guess I'm just going to go creep factor. There was a lot of like really dark stuff in this episode. It was a little bit weird to me. But, you know, whatevs. It was overall, like I'm kind of digging here. It was actually a pretty great episode. Yeah, this was a good one, guys. Uh, how about you, man? High points? Um, a high point? I'm going to say a lot of stuff sort of came together on this episode. We got the fully powered uh, bazooka. We got the... The Heavenly Chi Palace sort of all got combined. We saw yeah, all right of on. that. Uh, that was very cool. I'm going to have to go ahead and say that that is my high point of the episode. And dig for a low point? Uh, for a low point, just the weird disconnect between Kazu saying that there's no way that they can save... Uh, I'm sorry, Kaku saying that there's no Kaku. way to save Kazu. And then them just deciding that using the bazooka <laughs> on his face was going to work. <laughs> I'm glad. Don't, so don't get me wrong. I'm really glad that it worked. Oh yeah, yeah. But I don't know. That's what I would have got. I mean, you know, listen, desperate times, right? right? Anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and say that that is my low point. That's a good one. That's a good low point. 
So I think that calls it, Matt, for another episode of Living Let Die Ranger. Yes, that is going to do it for another episode. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd just like to remind you, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, check out the stuff we post, uh, episode links and stuff like that. We are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that Shining in the iTunes Reviews section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on there. That's what's going to be uh, the best thing to help other people find the show. Um, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. Now-